0: If you add value, the sale will take care of itself. Where people get tripped up is they try to trick people into an offer, and then they under deliver. See, our objective is to under promise and over deliver. And the thing that I think of the most is how can I add value to their life? How can I change their life?
1: Aaron Walker, or Big A as his friends call him, is a larger than life business and life coach who found his call for service later in life. Starting out by creating a pawn shop empire, you heard that right, a series of pawn shops in the United States. He was about to retire yet again when he discovered the coaching world and his life after retirement became one of service.
0: I had a great amount of success, but I had no significance. For me, I had to change the paradigm of my thinking. And for me, nobody would have cared. My legacy at that time when I was 40 years old would be poor kid, makes a lot of money, enough to retire at age 27, and nobody cares.
1: In this episode, I asked Big A what were the big lessons in his building his millionaire empire and how he approached the world of coaching. Prepare to hear how a veteran brick and mortar entrepreneur turned his whole life into one that serves the transformation rather than just making money. Now we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. In the full version, you're going to hear the personal side of Big A's story. How he started his business at the young age of 18 and got experienced business owners to invest in him. How he grew it and sold it to a Fortune 500 company, being able to retire early by the age of 27. To watch, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're in the shower, we get that a lot, then wait until you've dried at least your hands to head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with business mentor, Aaron Walker. to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hi, everybody. Today, I have an amazing guest. I can't wait to find out all about. Hello, Aaron Walker, also known as Big A. How are you doing today?
0: Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the Global Phenomenon. It's been a real honor to be invited to be here. So I just want to thank you today.
1: No, Thank you for being here. I can't wait to really dive in. So to start, why don't you tell everyone, what do you do and who do you do it for right now?
0: Yeah, I'm a life and business coach. And then we also facilitate mastermind groups. Today, we get the privilege of leading 18 mastermind groups for members internationally as well as locally. And we do this virtually and we get to help ordinary people become extraordinary in everything that they do. So it's been a real mission of mine for the past eight years.
1: And when you say locally, where are you talking about?
0: Yeah, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. We're three generations deep here in Nashville, probably 150 years, our family has lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I've personally been living here now 61 years. And so I absolutely love Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Have you ever wanted to live anywhere else?
0: You know, people ask me that a lot. They say, if you could live anywhere you wanted to, where would you live? And I said, I can live anywhere I want to. And I choose to live in Nashville, Tennessee. It's just an amazing city. And I love it. And quite honestly, I don't think I'd want to live anywhere but here.
1: I love it. And I love Nashville myself. I lived in Louisville, Kentucky for about a year and a half, like 20 years ago. And I got the pleasure of visiting Nashville. I'm a big fan of country music. So that was like the place to be. So I'm very jealous mm-hmm. of you right now.
0: That's cool. Well, come back and visit anytime
1: you'd like. Would love to. So, where I like to start is really early beginnings, right? I want to start to dissect the clues of your success. And I want you to tell me of a time when you were growing up, right? Tell me a little bit of what your life was like, what your family environment was like when you were growing up. What do you remember?
0: The thing that I remember the most is that we were broke, like we didn't have any money. I came from a very, very modest family as it relates to finances. But what it did do was it really sparked an interest within me of what I didn't want. I didn't know what I did want at the time, but I knew what I didn't want. And I didn't want to work as hard as my dad had to work physically. My dad was a general contractor, built a lot of homes in the Nashville area, and I saw how difficult that was. And so it really sparked something within me to really go for it. And if I could take just a minute or two, I'll give you a little bit of that journey. Hopefully it will encourage some of your listeners. But when I was eight years old, I got a job at a local bread box. It was a little convenience store down the street from my house, working there after school, kind of stocking their shelves. When I was 13 years old, my dad invited me to help him on a summer project which I really fell in love with. It was a pawn shop. A lot of people don't even know what a pawn shop is. That's a place you go and you leave something as security to borrow a little bit of money. And I didn't even know what a pawn shop was when I first started there, but I started two weeks later, I had to ask the owner, I said, what is this place? Like, what are y'all even doing? And he told me, and I fell in love, you know, with that business. And what I discovered was, is that if I was willing to work hard and really go after it, maybe someday, I could be involved from a leadership standpoint. I went to summer school and night school for two years. I was able to graduate at the beginning of my junior year in high school, met a couple of people with money, and at 18 years old, I was fortunate enough to start my own. And so that really started me down a journey of today, owning more than 14 businesses over the course of 43 years. But you asked primarily about my childhood. That's how my childhood started.
1: Now, I'm going to tell you that is, number one, really impressive for a young man to even have that kind of determination because, you know, me coming from a corporate background where I have proven to myself that I'm pretty smart and resourceful. I feel like if I really want to do something, I'm going to do it. The question is, do I have the motivation and a strong Mm -hmm. enough why to actually want to put in all that work? And I'm very curious to know what was your why at the time? What was it that was putting the fire under your tail?
0: Yeah, you know, when I was a child, I watched my dad during the winter climb up on a roof that had snow on it, and he swept the snow off of the roof to tear the roof off so he could put a new roof on it so we would have money to eat. And I'm not looking for people to feel sorry for me, but during the summer, my mom would put canned goods in our pantry, and she would nail a board over half of it so we couldn't get to the food. During the summer. So, in the winter, we would have food. We lived in a house my dad gave $6,500 for. There were four children and two adults, very small, about 600 square foot, a very small place. And I thought, you know what? There's got to be a different way. There's got to be something. So, that really instilled in me a lot of grit and determination and perseverance to really excel. And so, I really got it out of my vocabulary that there's not a way. And, and, you know, my fourth core value today is everything is figure outable. And there is such a word as figure outable. And I've just really adopted that mantra in my life that, like, I'm going to figure this out. People oftentimes say, you can't do that. I'm like, you just stand over there on the sidelines and you watch. I'm about to do this because we've got to have that fortitude within us. Angela Duckworth does an amazing TED Talk. It's about a six-minute TED Talk, and it talks about grit being something that really people that are at high net worth align with their values. There's a lot of grit and determination. And I think that that just instilled that in me as a child that if you want better, you got to go out there and work for it.
1: What were you in such a rush for after you're done with all your credits? What was your next step? Did you know what that next step was and were you looking forward to it, preparing for it? What happened then?
0: Yeah, I just didn't want to go to school and get a degree in something that I wasn't good at. I wanted to work. and. I'm good at building relationships and building rapport. I love people. I love being around people. I just love to do business, and I just didn't want to be in school. I'm not saying anything's bad about school. School's great, and a lot of people need a higher education to do whatever task it is that they're going to do. I just didn't necessarily need it in the trade that I wanted to pursue because I wanted to be around people. I wanted to do business. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I just felt like that hands-on experience was going to be a really good teacher for me. So my mom came to me when I was 18 years old. And she said, you're going to start paying rent when you turn 18 years old. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to live at home. You're going to make me pay rent. And she said, she said, we don't need the money, but you need the practice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's really a great life lesson. I had been dating a girl at one of our schools in the community. And I said, you know, if I'm going to pay rent, I may as well get married, move out. And that's exactly what I did. So Robin and I, two weeks after high school, got married and we moved out and we started our life on our own, soon to be 42 years. And so I'm excited to announce that it's worked out amazing. And uh, we have two daughters now, 38 and 36, and we have five grandchildren from five years old to 19 years old. And so if you really want something bad enough and you're really willing to put the interest in it, the effort in it, and you really establish what your core values are and you align your life with that, there's nothing out there that you can't accomplish if you're willing to do the reps.
1: What came first, moving out with Robin or... Getting into the pawn shop in the yeah, I
0: had the pawn shop a year. Robin was a year behind me in school, so we got engaged Christmas of her senior year. And I had already opened the pawn shop at that time. I was 18 years old, I had two partners in that business, and I had it for a year before we got married. So once we got married, we both moved out of our homes, moved into a condo that we had bought here close by, and we started our life together.
1: That is amazing. And I know that you have a lot of these type of companies that you have, you know, owned over the years. But I also noticed a construction company in your resume starting in 2005. And like, how did construction come about? You're the pawn shop guy. Where did construction come in?
0: So there's a piece of the story here that I'm going to talk about that is really not fun to talk about, but it's something that I think is relevant. So you'll have context for our conversation. So let's fast forward after this and let's get me to 40 years old, which is 20 years ago now, 21 years ago. I was headed to the office. Things were amazing. I was working three days a week. My partner was working the other three days a week, and we were doing an unbelievable business. Until a guy named Enrique was crossing the street in front of me to catch a bus, 7.30 on a Wednesday morning. And forgive me because it's difficult to talk about, but Enrique didn't see me. And that day I ran over a pedestrian and it was very, very difficult. And Enrique lived for three days in the Vanderbilt trauma unit. And they called me on Saturday morning and they said, Mr. Walker, Enrique didn't make it. Well, Enrique was 77 years old. He was from the Philippines, and it rocked my world. It was very, very difficult because what had happened, know, until this point, is that I had a great amount of success financially, but I really didn't have any significance. There was nothing really in my life at that time that really anybody else would have been interested in except my family, and that's that we had the ability to buy a nice house cars, We had a place on the beach. We had, you know, we had the stuff and that was fine, but there wasn't really anything significant in that. And so I went to the partner and I said, listen, uh, I've been chasing money since I was eight years old, right? I've been working really hard since I was eight and I'm going to take a break. And so I'm going to retire. My wife said, I've retired more than the law allows, but I retired. (laughs) I was 40 years old and I took the next five years off. I didn't do anything for five years. And so during the course of that, we decided to build a new home. And so we bought a lot just down the road, same street that I lived on. And we hired a general contractor to build me a beautiful new home. And he did. And it was amazing. And so I went to him one day and I said, listen, it's about time that I was doing something else. I wonder if you would partner with me because I've built a number of businesses and I can do the marketing, the operations side. You continue to do what you do in building a nice home and we can scale this business. And that's exactly what we did. And so I took on the business side of the business and he continued to do operations in the field. And we grew that company to the number one executive style homes here in Nashville, Tennessee for about a five or six year period. And so after a really good run in that, I decided to retire for the third time. And I went to my mastermind group and I said, listen, I'm going to retire. And one of my buddies said, what are you going to do now? And I said, Robin and I are thinking about moving to the Caribbean. I'm going to buy one of those little tiki huts on the beach and I'm going to rock myself into an oblivion. And he never laughed. And I was trying to make a joke out of it. His name's Dan Miller. Dan Miller is a great friend of mine. He owns 48 Days to the Work You Love. And he leaned over and he pointed his finger at me. He said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. And I said, what do you mean? He said, Averyn, you've been married now over 30 years. You've owned over a dozen businesses at the time. You should really consider coaching other people because I think you've got a great story. I think you're an inspiration to many. And I think you could really help them Take their business to the next level. I said, I don't want anything to do with coaching. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, Dave Ramsey's a good friend of mine. Dave and I have been friends for about 30 years. And I was the second sponsor to his first show. This is when he was on one show here in Nashville. We both live here, not far from each other. And I sponsored his show 21 consecutive years. And so out of that, we developed a real friendship. And he said, Why don't you come to On Trade Leadership? Be my guest. And I thought, man, that's a ten thousand dollar gift. That'll be pretty cool. And so he said, come and do it, see if you like it, and then we'll talk. And so I did and fell in love with it. Ina, it absolutely changed my life. And I thought, man, why don't I take the skills that I have and the experience that I've got with relationships and marriage? And why don't I test the water? And I did. I started coaching a couple of guys. And their business started to take off. And I thought, dang, I'm pretty good at this. Like I've got some life experience and I can help these guys. And so that's exactly what I did and started doing a few podcast interviews and God just really blessed our business. And here we are now with, you know, close to a couple of hundred people in our mastermind groups, their life is changing. There's transformation going on. Like I've never seen it in my entire life. And we've got people all over the world now that we're able to coach and encourage and help and walk alongside so that they can grow personally and professionally in every area of their life. And so that's a little bit of how it all kind of started.
1: Okay, we're going to just zoom into that part of the story because there will be a lot of people listening who might actually be resistant to coaching. They're listening to a coaching podcast, Mm -hmm. but they're still thinking, you know what? I just want to start, just create an online course that is just going to sell itself, right? Mm -hmm. I can just live like it's a paid vacation with just having something that is like the passive income, which is like the big buzzword. So I first actually want to ask you about the time that you were like, I don't want to have anything to do with coaching. I want to ask you, what were your feelings back then? What did you think that being in coaching meant? And why did you want to have nothing to do with it? And then I want you to tell me how you changed your mind about it. So let's start with yeah. paint a picture for us. Why didn't you want to have anything to do with coaching?
0: Well, it really didn't have anything to do with coaching per se. It's just that I was tired. You know, I'd been working since I was eight years old. I was 50 years old at that time. And all I could see was a lot of work ahead of me. And so it wasn't necessarily I was against coaching because I'm a huge proponent of coaching. I think coaching is amazing. I think that we can learn things in books, we can learn things on our own. But when you have a coach, it can get you there much faster. It can allow you to deviate from the mines that is in the ground that could explode unintentionally. It can help encourage your superpowers. It can point out the kryptonite. It can show you your blind spots because, you know, we can't see it. We're too close to the bottle to read the label when it's just us. And so the most valuable insight is other people's perspective and when they can hear your story, they can walk alongside you. They've been there. They've done that. They know. They understand. And I used to love to be around senior adults because there's no facade with senior adults. They're like, you get what it is. And they can help you like bypass those minds that I was talking about earlier. When I say landmines, I'm talking about things that can blow up potentially around you that you don't know about. And you're like, why would I not want to learn on their dime? Why would I not be willing to have somebody that was an unbiased, trusted advisor, somebody that I was walking with? They didn't have anything to gain or lose as a result of what they're telling me. Why would I not want to listen to them? And so, listen, I spend a fortune on coaches, masterminds. Darren Hardy once said that we should invest 10% of our revenue annually on personal and professional development. And I thought, dang, that is a lot of money. And so I went and pulled our profit and loss statement, looked at it. I spend more than 10%, but every year I do better. I grow personally. I grow spiritually. I grow professionally. Year after year after year, I do better because I surround myself with people that are more qualified than me to head to an area that I want to go. And so just for me, coaches get you there a lot faster.
1: So, how did you change your mind about, hey, all I see is just a mountain of work ahead of me? Yeah, good question. What was the thing that made you go, you know what? This might actually be a good idea.
0: Well, here's the thing there again, my situation may be a little different than other people. Remember, I told you earlier that I had a great amount of success, but I had no significance. For me, I had to change the paradigm of my thinking. And for me, nobody would have cared. My legacy. At that time, when I was 40 years old, would be poor kid, makes a lot of money, enough to retire at age 27, and nobody cares. And I'm like, golly, that is not what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be, hey, I have helped transform the lives of other people. I want people to say, hey, Big A was in my corner. He helped me grow personally, professionally, spiritually. My life is better as a result of having known that guy. That's what I wanted my legacy to be. And I thought, well, I can't get there if I don't help anybody. And so I'm Christian by faith. And so, you know, Christians, we pray about everything. So Robin and I committed it to prayer. We said, hey, what is really important in moving forward? And for us, it was transforming the lives of other people. And I have had a lot of experience and I have had a lot of experience being married, being a grandfather, being a father, owning you know 14 businesses. I'm like, I do have some value to add. And I am unbiased. I can go and look at your business and say, hey, you need to consider doing this or look at you as an individual. I get tickled. A lot of these guys come to me now and they say, I'm going to go home and tell my wife this. And I said, yeah, you'll find your high end on the couch if you go home and do that. This is what you need to do. You need to serve her well. You need to go and really make her priority of your life. And as a result of that, the natural reciprocity She's going to become your biggest advocate. And so when I help people understand the process by which you can accomplish both serving that person and getting what you want. It works out a lot better than forcing people into the corner. I teach people how to negotiate in their business. I've done that my entire life. And I encourage people to bring people along with you, right? Encourage, be a good communicator. And so I've just been able to teach these things over the years to other people that have allowed them to be very, very successful in their personal life and in their business life. And that's very gratifying to me. That's become my mission statement in life is helping these other people. And when you see that transformation, Ina, it gets you out of bed in the mornings. You're like, man, I can't wait to go do this thing because it's mattering to someone else. Do I make money? Absolutely. Money is a tool. And we would not do these things for free. Nobody would. But we can take that money now and do some amazing things to help other people as well. And so we just help people really focus on the right thing so that you have a gratified and satisfying life at the end of it. And that's what we've been able to accomplish. That's why I do coaching.
1: Do you remember setting up your first offer? Do you remember? Yeah, this is where it's going to
0: get a little dicey and I may lose some of you and that's okay. I'm okay with losing some of you, but here the offer for me always is the same, has been the same, and that's I look to add value, and that's my offer, right? There's things principally that we can do. We can set out with a course or a program or a coaching program, or a match, but my objective is to add value, and if you add value, the sale will take care of itself. Where people get tripped up is they try to trick people into an offer, and then they under-deliver. See, our objective is to under-promise and over-deliver. And the thing that I think of the most is how can I add value to their life? How can I change their life? What can I do to connect them, to give them the tools to be successful? And when your focus is that, that natural reciprocity of them wanting you to coach them and to help them, they're willing to pay you for that. So the focus, the offer has to be on adding value. And then you'll figure out ways to systematically put it in place to where you can offer something that changes their life or their business. And then you'll be like me. People will want to hire you for that as a result.
1: What was your experience with your first client like?
0: Yeah, it was great. Brett Barnhart and Matt Miller were the two people that I coached first. And they actually met me at Entree Leadership. And they came up to me during the break and they said, man, we want to hire you as our coach. And I said, you're at Dave Ramsey's event. And they said, we don't care. We want to hire you. And so I went to Dave's office and I said, man, we got to talk. And he said, you know what he's like, I got two guys in your audience that want to hire me. He said, well, go for it. You see, because Dave Ramsey has the same mindset I do. It's an abundance mindset. It's not a scarcity mindset. And he's like, man, if you're what they need, you need to go do that. And I did and fell in love with it. You know, one of the guys I still coach every Tuesday morning, and I have now for eight years, I've watched his children be born. He put me on his payroll. He said, you'll always be 25 years my senior, and I always want you around to help walk me through my marriage, raising my children, growing my business. He has almost three X'd his business, his gross revenue in the past eight years, paid off his home, paid off the majority of his business. He's doubled or quadrupled now at this point, his staff. And it's because there's weekly accountability every single week that we've helped take him to the level that he's at now. And I've had the distinct privilege of doing that numbers of times with numbers of people over the years. But you asked primarily about the first two clients and that's how it went with them.
1: That's what I that's what I really wanted to hear about. And so if somebody's listening to you right now and they have been lukewarm about the idea of coaching, but now you know what? You turn them around. They're like, okay, I feel like I could do this. What would be your top three tips right off the top of your head for them to get started really changing their clients' lives?
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing you've got to do is you've really got to design who your avatar is. If you really don't know who it is that you can help, if you're just out there shooting a shotgun, a blast, like you're going to help nobody and you really need to zero in on who your avatar is. So that is the first thing that I would do. The second thing that I would do is, is don't take people just because they're willing to hire you because it's a long-term engagement and you want to be sure that you enjoy being with them, that you want to talk to them. Then you'll do your best. And then the third thing is, is always give people permission to leave. I never enter into a contractual agreement with anybody. If they don't want to be there, I don't want them there. And if they don't want to be there for whatever reason, right, you're free to go, right? I let you go. I turn you loose. I only want you there if I can help you. If I'm adding value to your life in any way. So for me, contractually, I don't sign an agreement. I ask them to enter into a three-month engagement with me to start with, because I really want to get to know you. I want to know what your objectives are, your goals. I want to know about your spouse, your children, your business, how you think, what's important to you. I really get deep into the weeds to really find out how I can help you. And that's the reason people perpetually sign up with me, because they know I really want to help them. And if you'll demonstrate that, you'll never have a desire to go out and have to find clients. They'll come to you.
1: Speaking of going out and finding clients, how would you describe your marketing philosophy?
0: Yeah, well, we're very active in marketing because I believe that we should use the channels that are available to us. Podcasting is a very good one. I've been on numbers of interviews, and that's been very instrumental in helping me because they're evergreen interviews. They're always here. And I've been on a lot of shows, and that continually plays in the background. You know, we get clients. I said earlier, you know, that I had been on one show about six times and the first time I was on that show, you know, I still get clients from that. So that's a good market. I think that you need to be prudent in your marketing and your strategy. The biggest thing that I could say is be consistent. We're on about three or four different platforms and we use those each and every day. We have a content calendar. We know exactly what we want to do because methodically and systematically, we want to give a great message. And we've always got the client in mind. We're always thinking about what is the client looking for? And we try to answer those questions. And so we stay on a very regimented path in putting our message out because we feel like we have a good product and we want people to know what that is. And primarily what that is, is masterminds. We have these mastermind groups for women. We have mastermind groups for men and it's changed lives you know, for people all over the world. And so that's primarily where our focus remains today.
1: So what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful business person?
0: You know, I'm a very factual, detailed, no frills kind of guy. And a lot of people think that I can be judgmental or condescending, which is really not true. I mean, I really care about people, but I can't help you if I'm not telling you the truth. And so that startles people sometimes. It's like, well, I don't have time to be going around the edges. Like, let's deal with the problem. Let's eradicate it. Let's get it out of the way. And then we can move forward. So I think the misconception of me oftentimes is that I'm cold and indifferent. And that's really not true. I really care so much that I don't want to waste your time. And so I think that if you go straight to the problem and you deal with it, get it out of the way, it gives us more time to build on the future.
1: That has not been my experience with you at all. So I can totally vouch for you actually being a pretty warm person. This has been a really nice conversation and you've been so generous with your time and your advice. Thank you. So let me give you one last thing or give our audience one last thing from you. If everybody who's listening had to do what you're about to tell them to do and they have to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be?
0: Yeah, here's the thing that most people don't think about. Most people live their life reactive, not proactive. And I would just simply ask myself some very direct questions. I would ask why you're doing the things that you're doing. And you can apply that to every area of your life. It's whether it's your coaching or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, you pick out what it is. You've got to answer why. Most people lying to themselves. And I ask people all the time, what is it that you're lying to yourself about? You've got to be gut level honest with why we're doing what we're doing. And then you've got to design a life that is proactive, that you're living the way you want to. See, that's the reason that I've been an entrepreneur my entire life is because I wanted to dictate my schedule. I didn't want somebody else to dictate my schedule. And I wanted to work harder and make more money or I wanted to hook up my boat and go to the lake. I wanted to be able to dictate my schedule. So I've not worked for anybody since I was 18 years old. I'm 61 now and I had to ask myself why. And so I want you to decide today why you're doing what you're doing. If you don't enjoy it, it's not motivational. You need to find something else to do. And then you need to design the life that you want to live because this is not a practice. We're going through it right now. This is the real thing. And we need to live a very adventuresome, gratifying, purposeful, and meaningful life. And if you're not doing that, today would be the day you have to go answer those questions.
1: Yeah, definitely. This is not a drill. So, Big A, this has been an amazing experience just getting to pick your brain and giving all of this value to the audience. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit of where can people find you and connect with you?
0: Yeah, you know, the easiest place to go would be viewfromthetop.com. And if you're interested in getting yourself surrounded with people in mastermind that can take your life to the next level, I would say, check out our program. People stay for years and years and years there, and they're doing exponentially greater than they were before they joined. And I think it could be something that's amazing for you, whether you're a man or a lady, we have accommodations for both of you. So check us out at viewfromthetop.com. Thank
1: you so much, VGA. It has been a true pleasure. Thank you. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you could also start a mastermind. I'll walk you through a simple three-step process in our next companion episode. And if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to send us your tip of the week for a chance to get featured on a future companion episode, make sure to go to theglobalphenomenon.com tip to request the full instructions, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know, that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.